2: Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on Fan of History, the 650s BC, part one.
1: It's the 50s, Rock and Roll, Elvis, Hula Hoops, the Korean War, best war ever, and the Russian, Sam Sputnik, the first human satellite into space. I like Ike. And some people in the US think it's the best time ever and want to... MAGA? (laughs) Make America great again. (laughs) And want to make America great again. McCarthy's combined with the civil rights movement in the U.S. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And Gustav den Sjätte Adolf became the king of Sweden. He was actually an amateur archaeologist and a pretty cool guy. But my favorite, of course, is the bikini, which was actually invented in the 40s, but started to gain popularity in the 50s. How about that? The 50s. Yeah, there'll be a lot of episodes when we cover the 1950s.
2: Yeah, we could do month to month, or week to week. We could probably.
1: We could cover it in real time. We'll do it for a decade. Yeah, there you go.
2: (laughs) At least it'd be a lot more. I'd have some uh, good material to research with instead of just you know old clay tablets that are half cracked up.
1: Yeah, because we are of course doing the 650s BC.
2: Yes. Whew. Yeah, with these, we're going to have to do these episodes a little more broadly chronologically because they don't have a lot of the dates accurate. So I know they're in the 50s. They're not the 1950s. But sometimes it might think it's, you know, 653, 657. But we're, we're right in there. Which right. is specifically a little tricky, and it's not just me. All the historians—that's what—that's the scuttlebutt amongst all the historians of the six hundreds BC.
1: I expect that will get a lot worse for the six twenties.
2: Yeah, a lot of dark age, a lot of crazy stuff going on around then. Yes,
1: we shout out our some of our sponsors. Well, yes, thanks to everyone who is sponsoring this podcast on Patreon. That helps us a lot. So we want to thank every single one of you. And we'll do yes. uh, one each. So uh, one one sponsor is named another fan of history. Thank you, another fan of history.
2: Thank you. And look at the left, who left me with, Johan Strang. I hope I <laughs> oh, you should get right. all the Swedish ones. That's great. Yeah, you should get the Swedish ones.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Johan Blintelessen, for what uh, thanks to Eric Watson. And Battleswine. And Johan Brink.
2: Richard Hensley. John Buda. Our friend Matt McGovern.
1: Eva Martinson, Denka. The Endless Knot. Great podcast. Yeah. The next one seems like a shady guy.
2: Yeah, don't, don't even talk about him. Nah, don't mention this guy. Him. Not, and this one is not the shady guy, though. This is Costas. Kostas. Stur- you say that guy.
1: Costa Sturgio. I'm sorry, Costa, if I yes. mispronounced that.
2: And I- Roland Magnusson.
1: Pretty good. Pretty good.
2: Yeah. Thanks, guys. We really do appreciate it.
1: We appreciate it so much.
2: For sure. Um, you know, I want to take a shout out to uh, Sean Nelson. He posted on our page, our Facebook page, after we did the episode about the arrows. And he posted this cool video of this guy named Lars Anderson who learned how to um, – he reproduced the way that ancient archers shot arrows. It's amazing. I mean this guy could shoot like – he could shoot 20 arrows in like, I don't know, 10 seconds or something, inaccurate. So, Crazy. So I mean here's a modern guy practicing. Could you imagine these archers in the back in those days, that's what their whole job was. So they must have been pretty darn good at shooting arrows. I'll put that in the
1: show notes, and if I haven't, yeah. please remind me.
2: Yeah, I'll give it to you when we put the, you know. But yeah, it's a really cool video, and then it's pretty popular. These are millions of views. Because then, Dan, you had mentioned the ancient warfare podcast, so I listened to one about archers because you know I'm sort of fixated on this. And the one they did, one of the questions was, "How many heroes did they need?" And I was like, "Yes, how many arrows did they need?" And then one part they discussed was the Battle of Carre which is that famous battle where the horse archers, the Parthians, you know, slaughtered the uh, Romans. And at one point, they had the Romans trapped, and they were running out of arrows. So they sent, but because they were in their home territory, they sent for more arrows. And there was a caravan of over a 1,000 camels to bring the arrows. So that just shows you, they needed a lot of arrows. And they must have been amazing, just keep coming back and shooting more and more arrows. So Amazing. Right? And then I did also re, uh, hear in a podcast or in a YouTube video that they someone said the Assyrians could possibly shoot an arrow up to a half a kilometer. Whoa. Is, like, so, yes, I, I don't want to fixated on the arrows. My only last point is I, I think that I, I would imagine that the soldiers, you know, kind of, especially auxiliaries and mercenaries, they, I bet you yeah, they made a lot of their own arrows and bought arrows and just, you know, they must have brought them themselves, knowing how many they needed, so probably part of the thing about being an archer
1: yeah i bet if you could shoot arrows for 500 meters then you don't have to be very accurate as you do have a lot of other archers nearby so you can just pepper an area right far away exactly
2: But i mean i guess if you do get somebody does get close if you watch this lars guy i mean he's like bang 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 just shooting shooting
1: like pots and things in the air it's amazing it seems uh, like a bad position to oppose that guy with a yes. spear, yes, or a sword, mm-hmm. or a socketed hand axe, as we
2: discussed. <laughs> right. I mean, so that's why then you did see the Assyrians and how they had that that pair team. You know, the one guy would hold the shield, which was huge, you know, body length, and then the archer would go behind it. So I could imagine, you know, these two guys would just move in together. Yeah. People always find good ways to kill each other.
1: (laughs) We got an email from a listener about uh, the hanging gardens. Yes. Uh, She started in Swedish, but then she said, since your podcast is in English, I'm going to continue writing in English as well. In an early episode, you mentioned that the hanging gardens in Babylon are not actually situated in Babylon, rather that they existed in Nineveh. Then you mention it again in episode 84. I did my research on the internet and it is mentioned, as you said, that the Hanging Gardens existed in Nineveh and I believe this. As a person who was raised in Iraq and studied the history of Mesopotamia at school, I was really shocked because I've learned all my life that the Hanging Gardens existed in Babylon. I'm not saying that you gave me the wrong information, but if the Hanging Gardens existed in Nineveh, as you said, and not in Babylon, then what do we consider the gardens that Nebuchadnezzar built for his homesick wife Amethyst, the daughter of the king of Medes. Further, it rarely rained in Babylon and they did not use water pipes to water the plants rather than lifting the water from the Euphrates through some sort of pumps to the highest level of the gardens and let it flow to the lower terraces. Maybe Sennacherib took this idea from Babylon after he invaded it. The problem is that there is no strong evidence that exists in Babylon or in Nineveh Thank you for your amazing podcast, and best regards, Nadia Biden. Thank you, Nadia. Yes. Well, I think the point that the, the, research, uh, the research I quoted in the episode made was that Babylon is better preserved, and we could find no remains of the Hanging Gardens, whereas Nineveh was totally uh, obliterated, basically. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe the gardens were in Nineveh instead, or maybe there were no gardens at all. Yeah. But it seems to, there, there are no traces uh, of the gardens from, from the reign of Nebuchadnezzar II. Which is kind of I mean, of it would be
2: harder a hanging garden to keep a remain because it would be up in the air.
1: Of course. You know? <laughs> so
2: once things collapsed, there wouldn't be anything showing that because it would be, you know, how would you know it was up or down? You know, If you found plants and things like that, they would be in the ground.
1: Yeah. The thing made the seventh wonder of the world. So, uh... yeah.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50
1: pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: If it was just a rumor or a legend, then it was a very well-spread legend.
2: I did find this um in the city of Hama in in Syria and it's they're still there. They have they call them norias. They're used for watering guard, these up gardens. They are like, basically they're like a water wheel, like it's like a Ferris wheel. And they and it goes along the river and they, they use that brings the water up and then, you know, it could deposit the water up high. And that's today you could even go and see that.
1: I'll okay, put a link to that using on the, the force of the water itself. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing.
2: Yeah, I put a picture here if you see it here. But so they, it's just like a water wheel.
1: Yeah, I see the picture.
2: Yeah, so that's probably how they did it. No aliens. Again, I know I get fixated on that, but
1: <laughs> human <laughs> well, ingenuity. I mean, the like way to do it. You can just use yeah. the force of the Euphrates to
2: move yeah. the water from the Euphrates. Now, did the, was there a river going through Nineveh?
1: <laughs> I should really know that. Yes, yeah, I actually so. looked at
2: Well, we know there was a river going through Babylon. Yeah. So they probably, maybe they both had gardens. Maybe one's was nicer than the other. <laughs> maybe it was.
1: Uh, yes, Nineveh had a river, and it's not the same river. So it's probably the Tigris.
2: Yeah. So they, they have, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if all of them, if they, have, you know, they had multiple gardens.
1: Maybe all the important cities have gardens.
2: Yeah, you know, it's like if you go to a city and today you'll see you go to one city and they'll have their, you know, I mean, I'm a gardener myself. I like to garden and plant things, so, you know, I look at the public gardens and the public spaces of different cities around the world, and they're all similar but different, you know, depending on where it is to, which plants grow the best there, palm trees in the south, you know, in the tropical places and different things in the north. Yeah. So I'm going to say I bet there was gardens in all the cities. maybe there were yeah people love I mean personally I do I love going to city and seeing the flowers, seeing a different garden type of thing. so I actually have a good friend who up in upstate New York he runs all the landscaping for this uh, his city he lives in um, can't think of the name of it, but wow, you know, it's, it's I see the pictures beautiful. I mean, it's a full- time thing for people to do yeah. But yeah, thanks for that uh, email.
1: Well, thank you, Nadia. Indeed. So is it time to quote the great Greek writers?
2: Yes. Do you want to begin? Homer and Hesiod. Can I do the first one? Yes. This one is from Hesiod. Whoever has trusted a woman has trusted deceivers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's very... Um, yeah. Uh, hateful <laughs> against women. Yeah. So, but, so uh, personally, like I wrote
2: this, you know, I'm definitely not a woman of the woman haters club. Like, Hesiod must have had women trouble with women. He must have just. I mean, you could whoever has trusted a man has trusted deceivers, really. So.
1: Hesiod <laughs> uh, seems think... to have a problem with uh, a lot of things. Yeah. I, I'm surprised at the phrasing there. You trusted a woman, and then because of that, you have trusted deceivers in plural. <laughs> I... What does that mean? Oh, yeah, true. So one woman is worth two liars, or what? Well, that may be what he's trying to say. Uh, we have another one from Hesiod. He harms himself who does harm to another, and the evil plan is most harmful to the planner.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree with that one. I I, I I live by that rule.
1: That was way better than the first one.
2: Yes, for sure. So, okay, here's one from Homer. Be both a speaker of words and a doer of deeds. So true. Yeah. That's what you are, Dan. Look at you, how the podcast you have going, all the things.
1: Yeah, I speak more words than I do deeds. but No, uh, but you're doing it too. <laughs> Homer has another one. Because they're stupid. That's why. That's why everybody does everything. <laughs> I must have had a bad day. Yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. is stupid. Yes,
2: you're right. <laughs> they must have been having a
1: bad day. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just looked in the script that... Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, this is all you... I, don't, I don't want to hear you say this.
2: Okay. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Galeande 600 BC kam jag a tanka
1: pot dera. cotton. Okay. Stop, please. <laughs> <laughs> um... There is a, a big cauldron made of bronze uh, created or welded in, the, in an area close to the Black Sea. It is found in a swamp in Sweden and it was placed there, maybe in 650 BC, somewhere around there. In this cauldron, there are two swords from the Hallstatt culture, made of bronze. You know, the culture that will probably become all the Celts uh, in Austria. Uh, But it's their swords. There are also two bronze buckets and twelve bronze plates. The, The Hallstatt swords are common in southern Europe but not in northern Europe. And this is far away, even for the Swedish Bronze Age culture it's not close to Lake Mälaren but rather it's very remotely and this was a, an interesting find that was made in Sweden and it's not explained because there is no writing but so how did that cauldron get there?
2: You know, I am convinced that humans have been traveling far, far away, and wide for for millennia, you know, like It doesn't mean necessarily one person went from wherever that came from to there, but somebody went to some place and traded it to the next place, to the next place, because there is stuff all over. I mean, we have in the Bronze Age, right? They're getting tin from England, they think, sometimes. Yes. You know, all the way to Egypt.
1: All the way to Scandinavia.
2: What's that? All the way to Scandinavia. Right. I mean, people would trade. I mean, if you you could go a couple hundred miles and deliver your goods to somebody, and then somebody takes it someplace else, I mean – it's I think really, I mean, um, I remember reading in the way, way back in the Neolithic and even maybe before, there was a trade routes of obsidian, you know, from all the way in Afghanistan gets all the way to Europe. Yeah. So it's not like they shipped it on a train, but probably a lot it's of, sort of past man. hands. Yeah. Exactly. Which is like they say, how viruses spread all across the world. You know, how like, you know, if you read guns, germs and steel, there was, there was no viruses in the in the Americas, but they were from China to Europe, you know? So. Yes. Anyway, that's a great little story. Too bad I can't read it because it's in Swedish, and I really destroyed Swedish. I'm pretty bad with Assyrian. Imagine Swedish, so I guess I'm real bad.
1: Hustle's Captain was the, the Hustle Treasure. Hustle is a place.
2: Okay. Yeah, I never was good with languages, unfortunately. A little Spanish, but.
1: Hola, qué tal? Ah. Muy bien, gracias. Una grande cerveza, por favor. Oh, you'll have a large beer, okay. Yeah, please. (laughs) Okay, back (laughs) to the story. Yeah, so uh, we're, um,
2: it's like since the beginning of this podcast, since I got involved, Guy just seems to be my buddy. Yes. And I'm not ready to kill him off yet.
1: I Um, think he's going to die
2: soon. Everybody dies in our podcast. Just so we're clear, this is like, um, you know, we're like uh, George Martin here, because every game of thrones everybody dies but not yet if you look up you know guy just some historians it's sort of like that old sort of like the hang gardens of babylon they say they're definitely a babylon nobody realized maybe they're in nineveh so you know they have him at 652 that he dies but i'm not going to kill him off yet because the chronology is not necessarily correct and of course the historians will
1: discuss it and go on and on about it but um so is he going to survive until uh, the next decade?
2: Yes. He is oh. definitely going to
1: survive to the next decade.
2: So he's going to make it through our podcast.
1: <laughs> well, at some point, you will have to, uh, have to come to terms with the fact that he will <laughs> die. <laughs> That's funny. You can't just keep him alive.
2: Yeah, I know. Keep him going forever like a zombie. Yeah.
1: Uh, I- I guess was like uh, 2,000 years old and he met the White Kings.
2: Right. See, well, I go throw in the Anne Rice thing. That's why Anne Rice's characters never die.
1: Hmm.
2: So the vampires are lived for thousands of years. I see. But at some point in the 650s, he brings, um, he captures some Sumerians because he's been fighting the Sumerians and he brings them to Ashurbanipal. You you read the Ashurbanipal quotes good. It's a short one. You want to do that one?
1: This is uh, Ashurbanipal speaking, right? Yes. As for the Cimmerians, a dangerous enemy who had never feared my ancestors and, with regard to me, had not grasped the feet of my royal majesty with the support of the gods Ashur and Marduk, my lords, Gygas clamped them in manacles, handcuffs, and neckstocks, and sent them before me, together with his substantial gifts. I constantly saw the might of the gods Ashur and Marduk. <laughs>
2: yeah, he is dramatic, our Ashurbanipal.
1: Yeah, well, so, okay, he's getting Cimmerians and gifts. Yeah. I bet he's happy that him.
2: They must have been like you know they never saw some types of these types of barbarians in air quotes. And those
1: Sumerians uh, were never heard from again.
2: No, they weren't. They weren't. It was like they yeah, they brought like he brought Conan the Barbarian to Ashurbanipal.
1: Oh.
2: Right. Yeah. Then he destroyed Nineveh. At, at some point around here too, guy just sends troops to Egypt. So it was not to fight the Assyrians, but to help Semiticus consolidate his power in Egypt from the other Egyptian strongmen that he was fighting. We discussed that a little bit the last episodes. And yeah. I mean, like, why didn't the Assyrians help with that? And we know there was a treaty between Ashurbanipal and Semiticus, but we don't have it. It's The wording is lost to history. We just know that there was one. Okay. And, you know, it's very likely that the local Egyptian traditions didn't want to talk about the Assyrians conquering Egypt. And later Egyptians would ignore ignored it or didn't even know about it, so when Herodotus was writing his histories, where we get a lot of this from, no one even really told him about the Assyrian invasion. Although they did mention before there was this literary tradition um, in old Egyptian that, uh, that they talked about guys like Necho, how they were patriotic heroes fighting the Assyrians, but that didn't get into the Greeks, so that didn't get into us. It seems to me that the Assyrians were concerned with the Nubians in Egypt, you know, and not how egypt was governed so as long as they knocked out the nubians and their nubians aren't causing them trouble anymore then that was the plan instead of trying to micromanage egypt which is obviously a long way from assyria and we're going to to see that Ashurbanipal has his hands full in the 50s um and furthermore to me they plundered memphis and thebes so they really did pretty good so managing and, you know, taking care of all Egypt, you know, all the way from Assyria, maybe they just let it go. I mean, that's my opinion.
1: Well, maybe it's just the standard Assyrian vessel state deal that as long as uh, Semiticus pays the tribute, he is free to rule Egypt uh, yeah. as he wants. Well, well, Giygas, what, why is he involved in in Egypt, it's like, that's quite far away from his realm.
2: I know, seriously. My, I was thinking about that, too. I think guy just well, he's one of our first tyrants, and also he's sort of the strong man that took over, and I think he had a lot of mercenaries, and my, it's a possible and it's been discussed that he had all these mercenaries, so you don't really want to have a lot of mercenaries running around your kingdom without maybe, paying them.
1: Maybe guess is doing Ashurbanipal's work for him as his tribute, or something like well, that. Well, I didn't put it in
2: here because that's when he does die. We're gonna see why Ashurbanipal says that. He Ashurbanipal wasn't real thrilled about this, but he wasn't making a big deal about it. Uh huh. He wasn't totally like thought it was the greatest thing ever, but he really didn't. It wasn't you know it didn't hit the level of I gotta go do something about this.
1: Well, at least Gaius was sending Cimmerians and gifts, so he was showing proper respect. He's hacking the Assyrian system. Right.
2: Well, he's kissing his butt. He like you know, that's how these guys liked it. Yes. We um and this and then but see, the reason in 657 he's then he brought those his troops back or he didn't send any more anyway because um, in 657 he had a new threat from the Syrians so he's you know fighting them and sending the captives to Assyria but he was having trouble with them for a long time. And um, we actually have a a divination tablet, you know, where they they uh, they say there's a bad omen indicated for the Westland. Uh Oh, and yeah. So, yeah. And in 652, that's there's another tablet, like an astrological tablet from Assyria that says about the Sumerians out there. And that's why some people historians thought that that guy just died in 652 because he was fighting Sumerians then. But. The ones those historians I read, that are really put into it. They don't think 652 is the time, so we're gonna have to stay tuned.
1: Uh, I would assume that Gaius is fighting Cimmerians every day, all week. Mm-hmm. That is a sort of constant state of war at his border.
2: Probably kind of like virus, you know, like when the virus here gets like really hard, big, and then we knock it out, and then. It's like, okay, it's not so bad, and people can start going out again, but then, you know, sort of gets more You can start and more. to
1: go, go to Egypt and be a mercenary.
2: <laughs> yeah, go to Egypt, be a mercenary, go to bars, go out, but then the virus, the Sumerians, you know, they sort of multiply more before you know it. There's a bunch of tribes of Sumerians on your door again.
1: Typical. Mm-hmm. Oh, something about your
2: <laughs> Yeah. This is one of those, I really, with the the, the dating again, I have it at six fifty-seven. Could be six fifty-three. Could be even another time. But because um, there's other, this, so basically where it comes from here is the Ashurbanipal's fifth campaign. So, like I said, it's difficult to to um, nail it down.
1: Yeah, because the Assyrians measure time in uh, in two different ways, and we don't. The connection is not very clear. Mm-hmm. It's either the the regal year, or, or the year of the rain, or the which campaign it was. Right, and we don't have those regal
2: years. We, I mean, we don't have those um, the ep- 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 you know what I mean. Yes, we don't have those, and we don't have the Babylonian Chronicles. Yeah. So those are great. I can boom 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 every year with those.
1: And I think they know that they're supposed to go on campaign every year, so they're sort of like, uh, well, it was my fifth campaign. Yeah. Uh, maybe my fifth year
2: <laughs> yeah well yeah this is a campaign and you know it could be I wonder I was thinking I wonder if they have more than one army out in the field sometimes because Ashurbanipal did not go on campaign
1: yeah I think He's they the do one at this
2: point yeah I agree I think they may have so this could be the fifth campaign and it could be going on for a couple of years
1: so what happened in the fifth campaign
2: so here's what um, you want to tell it
1: redo the Ashurbanipal again oh yes from prison beef as for andaria the governor of the land uratu who had advanced and marched during the night to conquer the lands of the cities upumu and kulimeri the people living in the city kulimeri servants who belonged to me inflicted a heavy defeat on him during the night they did not spare anyone they cut off the head of andaria and brought it to Nineveh before me. Wow. The Urarthian comeback didn't go very well.
2: Not for the Urarthians.
1: I almost thought they were gone. Because we haven't heard much about them for a long time now.
2: Yeah, and I guess they got a little uppity and decided to to conquer a couple of cities. Yeah, I thought the Simerians had crushed them. Yeah, well, I guess... um... They didn't. They got they got a little uppity again.
1: That didn't work out well for them.
2: Right. See, like, like I said, dating this time though is uh, is just, it's like dating during COVID nineteen. It's difficult.
1: <laughs> Every day is the same.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to go on a date because you can't go anywhere.
1: <laughs>
2: well, in Sweden, I guess you can, but here we can
1: Yeah, we can, but we probably shouldn't.
2: Yes. So um, we have some more, a lot of stuff in the 650s, but I'm thinking maybe we end here and then we get the next on our next episode. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. Well, catch us next time when we're going to go into 657 and talk about the first tyrant of Corinth.
1: Oh, Corinth. That's That will be great.
2: See you next time. Bye-bye.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands.